Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to 5 Plus 1, a small business podcast. On this podcast, Tom Shabbat will interview a small business owner or someone that works with small business. Now let's do this. Hello and welcome to 5 Plus 1, a small business podcast. Um, before we get to today's guest, I want to apologize to Heath Babb, my first guest. I really didn't know a whole lot what I was doing when I started this, not that I know a whole lot more now, but um, I've known Heath for a real long time and I just tried to keep it business-like and we should have had a little more fun with it, so we'll have him on another time. Um, and now we have Joel Rizbera, another friend of mine I've known for basically ever. Um, Joel, how you doing? I'm awesome, my man. How are you? Good, good, good. You own Weedco Delivery Service, correct? Delivery. That is correct. And you owned before that at the Hilton Head. Now, you and I have known each other since we were little kids in Maine, but uh, we both lived on Hilton Head for a long time, and you had a restaurant there for, for a while there, too. Riders Lounge, the infamous Riders Lounge. It'll live in our hearts and memories forever. Came across a Facebook page recently that seems like it's still being posted on. It is, man, which is so funny because we didn't even have Facebook when the business was open. <laughs> and somebody, I don't even know who, opened up that, that account. And uh, I think my old partner, TJ, found it and uh he's been posting stuff every once in a while just joking around um and and pretending as if we're still open and stuff and so it's been kind of a joke but uh one that allows for people to chime in and start bringing these memories back so i love it that's awesome yeah i randomly stumbled across it and i i thought it had to be tj that seems like something you do it's hysterical though all right let's get this going you ready to get going I'm ready. All right. Now, when you moved out, what year did you first get out to California? 2010. 2010. Okay. And so I moved out here to, to uh, I was hired on as a contractor to build some cannabis gardens. I used to call it weed, but when I came out to California, um, that was kind of a dirty word for the cultivators and the organic farmers. So we call it cannabis and I ended up staying on because people were getting fired all the time and quote unquote sent off the hill. And so they asked me to stay on as a farmer. And so I did for a full eight, nine month season. And then ever since I started growing, I really got interested in the, the industry. I didn't even think about this before when you say something like uh, that, that word is weed is frowned upon. There's going to be an entire etiquette to all of this yeah there's a, a lot of that um but it's it's also something that maybe the purists care about personally it's not that big of a deal to me i mean i named our company that delivers weed weed co-delivery so i'm all about trying to bring thc and cbd to the masses rather than have a snobby-ish attitude toward it. Not that there isn't a place for that, because I believe that some of these cultivators that, that grow these amazing strains and 
they sweat and slave over these these plants i understand it does get personal and you do have this respect for the plant in there and there should be some room for that but on my end where it's the retail it's all about getting those products to the customers and they don't really seem to care about the process of how it gets to them they just want the best product they can buy and so when you got there originally you were growing and you were starting I think a business just as a grower not necessarily and then possibly into a store how did it go from working on other people's land to working on your own land and then eventually to get into this store man the, the cannabis industry it, it has some sketchy interesting um just has a really interesting mix of people to get involved and a lot of the times those people aren't reliable and so it's hard to really develop relationships in the business especially black market and the growers that i was originally building gardens for and working for they were a, a black market outfit and so there was a lot of secrecy and there wasn't a lot of sharing of information so we never really knew what we were doing from day to day or from week to week or what we'd get paid or um, who we could trust to deliver our payment or when they deliver it or you know all these different things and after my first year of working I was invited to come back out and work again and so I went back to Hilton Head got Kim and Seda my daughter who was then two and we came out here with the goal of living in Grass Valley and working for the, my old employer but after I dragged them across the country moved all our stuff out here and started finding trying to find a place to live while living in hotels I was trying to get in touch with him and trying to find out when I'd start my job and after about two weeks of him ignoring me he finally got back to me I hunted him down through friends or something and then he said that they didn't have a job for me so I had to think of something quick so I kind of used my experience of what I did for him to do it for myself which was quite a process on its own being a neophyte and uh, trying to do these things without really a market I didn't know who to bring it to who would buy it back then it was medicinal so you had to donate it and that's a whole process of trying to make money but we found that if you've got a delivery license you're allowed to take flour that you grew you could package it and then sell it through your delivery company so that's why we started the delivery company but through the two-year process they changed a lot of the regulations and compliance things and then by the time we got licensed we were no longer allowed to do that so it's the industry is continuously changing and the black market usually has to operate outside of the white market but they almost depend upon each other and the prices fluctuate and it creates these competitions and it's kind of strange in places but white market or the legal industry is slowly taking over and they have task forces that are going around and shutting down a lot of illegal grows all through California yeah it's interesting with you know when it became legal and what people thought it would be to compare to what it is how much as the state of California <laughs> messed with it or made it, it made it I made it better or made it worse 
made it harder, made it easier? Like, what did you think would it be compared to what it actually is? <laughs> well, I think it did all of the above. It made it more difficult and it made it easier depending on what time of year you're doing a certain thing. Um, but the taxes mostly are the one thing I would say besides trying to remain compliant is what makes it difficult for smaller businesses to succeed with the amount that you have to charge in order to pay the bills. You're pricing yourself out of the market. So let's just say you have a location, South Lake Tahoe, they have an existing black market. Most of the people that get their weed get it from Tony down the road or their buddy that works at the on the mountain or you know they have these local hookups and they have their scene but that guy doesn't have the overhead he doesn't have to pay taxes he doesn't have to pay employees and you know all the additional things that come with a legit business so we get priced out of the market so a lot of people that are used to buying it cheap will continue buying it cheap so we need to also carry other products that the black market usually doesn't carry like vape pens or concentrates or gummies or chocolates or uh, syringes or RSO. So there's diff different things that we can offer people that still want to get their flower or their bud from the guy down the road. But if they want to get some of the new industry cool edibles or wax or diamonds with sauce or any of the, the new hip things, they need to go through the white market. And so we can do okay with some things, but we're still seen as an expensive way to get your cannabis. Right. That's interesting how to deal with that kind of competition, an illegal competition. It's not going after to, for the lowest price. You have to diversify in order to, you know, compete. Well, we have such a diverse range of our demographic being 18 years old to 118. So you might have medicinal users at 18 to 21 and then adult users from 21 up um, and they can be divided. It's almost like the younger people, they have these hookups. They're in a scene where they can find herb on the black market. But some of these people that are on vacation or the older people, they're not going to try to go down to a bar and be like, hey, you know, I could score some weed. They're just going to go on Google and search weed near me and we're going to pop up and then they can look at our menu and see what we have. And a lot of baby boomers and older people really infatuate. I don't know if infatuate is the best word, but they really find it intriguing. How, you know, I, I had this one guy that just retired, moved to Cali from Wyoming and he calls me up and he's like, I just retired. My oldest child just finished college and I don't have any responsibilities. I don't have to do anything. And so I'm like, hey, I'm in California. I might as well get some weed. So so I called you guys up and, you know, how's this work? I mean, you just like roll me up a couple doobies? You know, how does this work? And, you know, I laughed and said, man, it's quite a scene now. It's a lot different from what you're used to, I'm sure. You know, back in his day, they were talking about 7 to 10% THC for a lot of the bud and flower. And now they're growing these strains that are upwards of 30% THC. Um, and now they're taking blunts 
and prepackaging them, infusing them with hash, rolling them with keef, putting oil on the outside, and now you have a blunt that has you know 50 to 70 percent THC, yeah. and so it can really knock some people on their ass. Excuse my language, and so he expressed some concerns about you know not overdosing. He's heard some people took edibles and get all messed up. And so I explained the microdosing and how now all the products are mandatory. You can't have more than 100 milligrams per package, but those packages will have 20 doses. So each dose is five milligrams. So they call it microdosing. You can take a small amount, see how you feel, wait a while. Do you need more? Dose a little bit more. Find your comfort zone, and then you're able to prescribe your own medication level. And this kind of leads to the next question about customer service because you provide, you know, you're a smaller mom and pop organization. And so when someone calls and has a question about that, you're more than happy to help them and explain how it all works. With opening this, what was the most important thing when it comes to customer service? I know you want those five star ratings. Education on our product and smiling when we talk. It's just, the excitement that we, we still currently have because we're new and we're still getting new products and we're testing new products and we're trying to find a rhythm and find out what these local areas want, what type of products and, and all that kind of stuff. We got into a position where we found that if we stayed in communication with people, we would automatically gain more customers because of basically our competitors inability get about having happy customers um for example if you get an order from us our pos system automatically sends a text out to each customer once they make an order letting them know through text um, the arrival time of, of their order and if there's any changes we'll we'll either call them or email them or text them which with whatever form of communication they want and just say, I just want to let you know our drivers had to stop to get gas so he's running five minutes late or had a flat tire or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they always appreciate us keeping them informed. They said, we, we had to wait the last time for two hours. This other company, they never called us. We didn't even know if we we're going to get it. And then when we call them to complain, they get mad and yell at us. And so our appreciation for every single customer that we have is the difference because we're so small and we're so new. I mean, I guess saying that we are in 46 different cities and resorts and towns sounds like it's a lot, but it's really four weed map pins, four different locations that have some surrounding cities cities that we deliver to or resorts or towns. So even though we seem like we're in many areas, we're, we're still a very small company. We have less than a dozen employees and I find that the fact that the customers know we appreciate them, we tell them we appreciate them, we have better prices than our competitors, and we communicate with them in a way that keeps them, A, informed on all the products that they order, because a lot of these people just don't know what these are, and then us letting them know when we'll arrive. If they're not comfortable with us going to the door, we're able to have our drivers text them directly and say, you know, we we can meet you in the parking lot. Um, This is what I look like. This is where my car is. Come on down. Or if they don't want to go out and you want us to be discreet, you know, we don't have any marijuana 
paraphernalia on us. We don't have T-shirts or marked vehicles. We have a little pharmacy bag, and we can bring it right to their door. No one has to know who we are or why they're there. Um, but also keeping it to where our customers can get their order in a way that they want it when they want it, I think is our recipe for success. Nice. I agree with uh, communication. I think communication is king with uh, customer service. The more any kind of Absolutely. business can be in touch with their customers, um, good or bad too. I mean, there's so many times I see businesses that just don't want to deliver bad news when it has to be delivered. And the quicker you get this to somebody, the better off you are in the long run. And I totally believe in that, communicating with your customers as much as you possibly can. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I find that people appreciate it and it's almost an opportunity when we when we have failures or mix-ups or issues. Um, so say for example, you know, someone wants to order five packs of gummies through our POS system, they might be allowed to, but in that area, we might not have that many products available. So you might have to contact them and say, I know you ordered five, but we only have four available. We do have these other similar products. So if you were interested, I could let you know what we have. And through a lot of our, I'll call them failures, but they're more like an order doesn't go the exact way it should. We reach out, we say what we can do, what we can't do. Can we help you get to a point where we can get you what you want? And if it's not today, we can always bring it tomorrow. What can we do to get your business and keep your business? We offer new customer discounts. We offer loyalty points. We offer um, loyal discounts. So once we get a customer, we really do everything we can to try to keep them. Yeah, that's smart. smart. I mean, it costs five times as much to get a new customer than keep an existing one. Good to keep them all. Yep, and I appreciate every one of them and I want them to know that. So each delivery that's made, our drivers are not the stereotypical delivery guys, like a pizza delivery guy usually just is like, here's your pizza, you give me 20 bucks later. Yeah. Uh, we, we try to at least have a, a bit of a smile on our face, if nothing else, if people don't want to talk, we don't, but we like to say, hey, I noticed that you ordered some of the flour. I hope this is the good stuff. Um, but if you do like Bud, we're getting this new gelato tangy in next week. So if you want to check it out, our menus come out on Friday or whatever it is. So we have a little bit of uh, a conversation to let them know that we appreciate their business. We'd love for them to continue ordering and we want to let them know what we have available to encourage them to keep shopping and, and see the different things that we have continuously changing through our menu. Yeah, that's cool. The, um, so you you opened up right around when COVID just started to hit, correct? We opened on 420 on purpose. It's but actually, I hit it two years after. We tried to shoot for uh, 420 2018, and uh, of course, we missed it by a couple of years. We were finally able to open of April of this year, or of last year. Um, and wait of this year 420 sorry about that and so we we uh we were able to open because we're an essential business which i gotta tell you was pretty shocking to me it was some of the best news that i had gotten and so from the moment that we started we had found that we were in an ideal industry spot because 
a lot of the dispensaries, unfortunately, weren't able to get any people to come into their actual business, their brick and mortar business. Right, and so the right. delivery was automatically pumped up. So, so it worked out really well for us for a while. And then they started changing the rules a little bit so dispensaries wouldn't get as much affected. So they were able to do some delivery as well now. Um, but again, I mean, this is going to change again and who, whoever knows how long. So there, it's, it's almost like it's in constant flux to try to figure out how to operate, to keep it fair, um, to keep as much revenue and taxes coming in, but at the same time allowing for businesses to stay open. So I'm hoping that they do start dropping some of the taxes. We pay in excess of 24%, which it's difficult to pay that much tax. And, and still turn a profit. Yeah. It's, uh, you must have been pretty scared too, like as you're planning on the opening. Every day. And all of a sudden, this black plague washes over everything and it ends up actually helping you. It did. And so far, it's been great, knock wood. Um, you know, we got these pamphlets all printed out for all of our drivers through our cannabis specific attorney. So when anything changes, he'll reach out and say, oh, by the way, you have to do this now, you have to do this now, you have to do that now. And so we supply them with masks and gloves and sanitizer. There's protocols for social distancing and um, limiting the amount of things that we or they touch during the process of putting together orders and delivering the orders. So it, it's, it's been interesting and it's going to remain interesting and I'm hoping that we can stay in the mix and I hope that the sales continue but once the COVID rules change you know it might affect us it might not it's I mean who knows at this point so yeah I'm, I'm always uh, guardedly optimistic that's very cool very very cool and so now you've got the first one open and the second one open correct it's one business one location one license that's allowed to operate throughout the state of California. Okay. So you just but I have the territory that you're, you're working on. Right, exactly. So the territory is basically pins or pin locations through weed maps. And that's um, usually a, a circular area on the map that delivers to about a 50 mile circumference uh, zone. And as we were able to advertise on the weed maps platform we found that just just like google if you're not on the front page you don't get that many sales people aren't going to scroll through to see the 11th delivery service on any app right, right. so we were able to buy the number one pin which means we're the number one listed business on their pin and with that number one location we're really able to drive a good amount of, of sales pardon the interruption but if you would like your business to be on the first page of Google or closer to the first page of Google, go to my website, TomShabbat.com and book an appointment with me. I can help you with that. That's T-O-M-C-H-A-B-O-T.com. Thank you. Um, but we try not to be dependent completely upon uh, weed map sending us business. So we also do guerrilla style or grassroots style marketing where we hit the streets. I go into different skate shops. Um, we go to some bars, some restaurants. I even go to smoke shops. I'll go to smoothie shops. I go to liquor stores. 
and we ask the owners if we can put our little handout coupon tickets on their counter, go to hotels and hand out rat cards and do all we can to, you know, let these areas know that we are a small business. We want their business. We care. We're not some huge company that's coming in and trying to take business away from small businesses. We are a small business trying to operate. And I found that people seem to appreciate small businesses more than big corporations. And so I hope that's going to be our niche where once the big corporations do come in and take stuff over like they do, that maybe there will be some mom and pops that are left standing and uh, I hope are one of them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think people are willing to spend more or willing to work harder to get to a smaller business than to just dump cash in the Walmart or whatever else it is. It's, what's the future look like for WeCo now? You've got your, your, your territories growing. Where do you see it in a year, five years? It's funny that you say that because I have an inability to look towards the future that far when it comes to Weedco. Um, I'm fairly insecure only because I've never owned a business that this has the ability to be as large as this one can be. And so I almost feel like at any point someone's gonna pull the rug out from under me and there'll be some new tax or there'll be some big business or there'll be somebody that's gonna come along and make things so difficult for me that I won't be able to survive past six months or a year. So I'm trying to keep it focused on the now with a small glimpse into the future. I wanna get through this month and then after this month, I maybe will plan for the next three months. Then after that, maybe I can look forward to half a year or a year or so. But right now, it's just about keeping our eye on the current business model, maintaining it, uh, making sure nothing's slipping through the cracks. We're doing everything as well as we can. And then we, we would have the ability to expand even more. Like I said, we could operate anywhere in California. So we could move to the Bay Area. We could go up to Napa. Being located in Sacramento, it's a moderately central Northern California location. Yeah. So we, we could grow if it works out. If not, we could stay the same and, um, and still do all right. I just don't like to make any predictions and I am afraid to be comfortable. Well, I've known you forever and you've always been a hard worker. You, you're smart and you deserve all the success you're getting with this. And I think it's awesome. I, I love watching it. I appreciate that very much, man, because that's what it, it just takes so much hard work and it takes so much dedication that a lot of times when you just keep getting beat down after you've worked so hard and you feel like you deserve something and a lot of times it's just going to be out of your control whether you survive or not. So I want to try to control as many things that I have the ability to control and if something outside that shuts us down, then there's not there's not much I can do. So I have to take on this zen type approach to being non-attached which is difficult when it's something that we built from the ground up and it's ours and we want to take pride in it yet it, it, we, there's some fear associated with that pride it's a really interesting dynamic that i hope one day will make me feel comfortable but until we are able to make sure we're providing for our drivers 
and our customers are happy. Once I know that we can maintain that, I think I'll breathe a sigh of relief and be able to think a few years into the future. That's cool. That's very cool, man. All right. Now, on to the plus one. And you and I have talked about this. We're going to do something a little bit different for the plus one because years ago, and by my count, I think it was late summer, early fall, 1996, you and I had very... I don't want to say traumatic, but a very hardcore, interesting experience um, in Arizona. I would say that being detained on suspicion of murder of a police officer could be considered a traumatic event for most people. <laughs> so we're going to do a little study here on memory. And so I've already recorded my memory of that day. And we're going to go, and I want you to go from when you remember the very beginning straight through to the end, and then we'll hear my memory of that day. And then after that, you and I will compare and contrast what we remember or didn't remember from the day we were held for accessory to murdering a cop. <laughs> Sound good? Excellent, man. Thanks for listening to 5 Plus 1 a small business podcast. Please give us a like or a review if you like this episode. The music was done by Brooke Shabbat. If you need help with your small business when it comes to automation software, digital marketing, and getting paid or just have a question, you can reach him at TomShabbat.com. Thank you.